everyone here is equal and you know we don't care about your past you can work off your you know pretty much work your time off uh for whatever crime you committed uh so you can work in the mines hello and welcome to another dead pixel i'm your host today joe and with me today the man who always bets on both teams uh, for any sporting event nick how you doing nick doing pretty good um it's funny but uh usually i break even i know you wouldn't think that but uh usually i break even overall yeah i can't remember which movie it was i think it was in um like an Antonio Banderas and Woody Harrelson film where they're boxers and the whole, like at the very end, they're like, yeah, like I got this great plan. And it's like, you just got to bet, you know, like a, you just got to bet a big chunk of money on black. And then they roulette. He's like, yeah, and it's red. Well, don't worry. You double up now. So you go to you know, you double the amount on black. And it's like, and then it's like, and it's red. Like, you know, they just, and that <laughs> kind of fades like as they're pretty much burning all their money, trying to bet on one color as they're doubling up. So, dude, roulette that, is like the most like I I just have no idea why anybody would want to play roulette. There's some strategy to it, but it sounds it's just it's just insane. Now, what I have heard is everybody is uh like winning like a bunch of money, um, or a little bit of money or whatever at at a casino and then like as you're about to leave just throw out all all of your winnings on one color like just throw it all on black and then uh, if you and if you win then you like you're like all right freaking freaking awesome and you walk out with like double or whatever or way way more uh it's i don't know why people do that but it's a thing well it, it's one of those things that like you know if if you uh you go into the, you go in you know, being like this is the money i can burn and depending on how much time and how many drinks I get out of it, you know, I'm pretty much just paying for my own entertainment at this point. Yeah. So if you can break even uh, by the end of the night, you win, right? Because you've you've entertained yourself, you've had some drinks, and you're good. So yeah, I've seen I've had friends who do that. Be like, you know, won a couple hundred, and then just go ahead and uh, do the last the last minute gamble, and like, yeah, well, either I go I go leaving, you know, winning big or. I literally come out with what I came in, but you know, it's, it's just I had a good time. Thrill. Yeah. 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 It's uh, I mean, gambling is fun. It's like, if you, if you, uh, like if you kind of know what you're doing a little bit or you're sort of good at blackjack or poker or something, it can be a lot of fun. You can actually, I would say if you go play blackjack, you want to play with other people as a team against the dealer. Um, it's a weird sort Make of concept. It very obvious that you're. Um, it's it's you know, just... it's not counting cards. It's just like, it's just like, if there are, let's say that there are four of you, four of you at the table, one of you is always going to lose, or you're going to lose most of the time, but the others can win. So you won't like you won't like break the casino, but but I've been at tables where where there were three of us and, and this one guy, he was like, he was like, can you just, somebody I knew, it wasn't a stranger, but he was like, can you just, just do what I say? And I was like, sure. Like I've got like, like a hundred bucks out tonight. I'll, you know, he was like, okay. Um, and so I just started to do exactly what he told me to do exactly when he told me to do it. 
and ended up winning 150 bucks off of that table in like 30 minutes. And they, and they won some money too. And I even had and 150 was what I walked away with. I tipped the, the dealer a good bit as well. Um, so it's, it's something that you can do, but you kind of got to know a little, a little bit of what you're doing. And of course you're not going to win every time, but anyway, that's my short story about how to beat Vegas. <laughs> yeah. I just recommend just, uh, if you like to play uh, poker or something like that, you know, there's plenty of tournaments to go around. Some of them are uh, pretty low cost entry and, you know, if you can make a few rounds, you know, like maybe you'll actually leave with some money or at least you'll have a, you'll stretch that dollar farther and you'll have more fun that way. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, but, or you can be like my buddy who just goes all in right, right out from the start and just be like, I don't know what happened, man. <laughs> There's a guy that I, <laughs> I'm still in this tournament. So you go do something. <laughs> There's a guy who used to play poker with and he, um, what he would do is uh whenever he was losing and he would get down to basically like his last basically his last hand he would he would get his you know his two cards and he wouldn't look at them and he'd just bet all in um and sometimes and like one time he won and he won like he won back pretty big i think he still ended up losing but uh it was it was funny to see him do that three or four times uh at different sessions but you know there's there's some poker videos out there on YouTube um, that if you watch them and you do and you do what they say, like they're just very basic, like certain tips. If you just follow what they say to do, it will actually improve your poker game a ton from like being a layman and just having like a every once in a while poker game with some dudes that, that, that you know, uh, you'll be surprised how little people actually know about poker, even people who play it fairly regularly. Um, it's pretty, it's pretty wild. So I can recommend that. I have to recommend to gamble responsibly. So yeah, definitely. Uh, maybe don't, don't follow Nick's advice and just, you don't get, don't make it a habit. Uh, I mean, he has, he has his own issues, so just don't worry about it. I'm a degenerate gambler. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's a safe space. I, I said that a long time ago here. So, <laughs> No, it's not. All right. <laughs> go ahead. Go ahead. What, what, what do you got? Oh, uh, just we all we all judge you, but we just don't say it. Yeah. Uh, I know. All right. I don't know, man. Anyways, how have things been going with you? Well, remember how the, the other podcast that we did, how I said I was going to start playing uh, Hogwarts Legacy today. Yep. So I took a little, little bit longer look at my finances, and I decided that maybe I'll play it later. <laughs> So, uh, anyway, I could probably afford it this month, but I was like, man, I don't really care about this game that much. And it's 70 bucks. And I have like, I have a lot of games from last year that are definitely better than this that I still need to play and beat. I mean, Xenoblade Chronicles being one, Elden Ring being another, uh, freaking uh, God of War. I'm at least halfway through that as well. Um, and then there's a couple other like games that are on uh, Game Pass that I should go and play. Tunic. I know you're gonna say Tunic. You never played Tunic. Why don't you play Tunic? But I. I well, it's only because you 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 quit half. You know, like not even halfway through most of your games. That's the problem. You, well, I'm always trying to play you know, a new damn to... game for a little podcast that we tend to do every once in a while. I'd like to even play High on Life a little bit more, but. That's probably never going to happen. So I was just kind of like looking at it, looking at it, going like, "Dang, this game is seventy bucks. 
I could do better by not buying it this month. And it'll still be here next month. And I've got these other freaking games to play. So Yeah, you still haven't beaten Eastward either. I mean, you were so high on that one. <laughs> trying yeah, to, you're trying I, to goad I, me into beating Eastward. That's what you're trying to do. Salt in your wounds, so that's all there is to it. Yeah, you haven't. I mean, you go you go months without playing games at all, though. So, you know, <laughs> it is what it is. Yeah, but I also have two little uh, monsters to raise. I mean, that's a full time game. You watch them, plenty of anime. You watch plenty of anime. You could play some yeah, games. Anime, anime is so easy to do, though. That's that's something you can literally have playing on while child, you're in the kitchen. Child on your chest. You're just like watching anime. <laughs> no, see, I, yeah, I missed. Uh, like, oh, those were good times, man. Like, I used to be able to play, you know, play games with having them in the like little bouncer chair, and so I would be using my foot to bounce the chair while I was playing on the computer. It was, it actually worked really well. <laughs> um, it was, it's like so long as you are a person who has like a, you know can do the nervous you know knee twitch where you're just sitting at a desk bouncing your knee up and down. It's pretty much that. Uh, but yeah, Hogwarts Legacy, man. Uh, I, yeah, I was looking forward to your opinion on that because that's you know people are either loving it or hating it. That seems to be the uh, well. The... I mean, uh, I don't know. I'm sure there's some legitimate haters out there, um, and I'm sure there's some illegitimate illegitimate people who who like it or whatever. Um, but uh, yeah, I will just put my. We'll just. Uh, I'll play it next month, maybe, and then we can put my opinion behind the the Patreon wall, and then you can uh, you can go get that for ten ninety nine a month. <laughs> yeah, when, yeah. So that that'll be for the forever, uh, forever from now uh, listing there. But yeah. all right, uh, yeah. On my end, though, we got you know. Unfortunately, my kids are. Uh, it's that's you know like kids are getting sick now so the daycare is just not a bunch of sniffing little monsters and my work everyone seems to be coughing or sneezing so it's just like it's a i'm lucky right now i'm still okay but i'm probably gonna bite the dust real soon um so luckily it's i can make it through this podcast i mean you weren't uh you said you weren't feeling so hot either so uh yeah yeah i woke up with Hopefully a cold this better. morning so i'm supposed to go to a party this evening and and I didn't, I, I couldn't because I was just like, I actually, I was on medicine and I went to the store and got some party favors and uh, I came, I came back to my apartment to put uh, some extra stuff I got and I was just like, no, I cannot do this. I'm, I just, I could, I could have, I could have powered through, but like, I'm not gonna be any fun and you just go home and get some more sleep. So that's, that's what I did. Yeah, sleep's important, man. All right, so what do you got for us from the news front? <laughs> All right. Uh, I complained to, to you about this earlier in the week, and uh, you had no sympathy for me. Um, Zelda is going to be $70. Zelda Breath of the Kingdom what? Wilds or whatever. It's going to be 70 bucks. So why I'm mad about this is that... Tears of the Kingdom. That's the name of the new one. Tears of the Breath of the Kingdom Wild. Um why I'm mad about this is so so far the Switch games have been $60 and none no standard package has been more than 60 bucks but since it's Zelda and they know they can they're charging $70 now Nintendo has said we take every game on a case by case basis bullshit 
No, you don't. You don't take every game on a case-by-case basis. You're taking this game on a case-by-case basis because you want to charge 70 bucks. All right. So there's a lot of different things going on here. So Sony and Xbox have started charging $70 for their games. Sony, as annoying as it is to have to pay 70 bucks now, they did it the best way possible. You have a new generation and you have games now $70 because we, we made it through all of these years with only charging you 60 bucks from PS3 to PS4. You know, inflation's been happening, all that stuff, but we've stuck with 60 bucks and now here we are, new generation. There's a cutoff point. Xbox did something similar. They kind of just like, well, I guess we'll go ahead and do it too. I think they could have, should have done it with their, with the, with their, with their new generation. But Switch is still in the is still the old generation, so they don't have that like that level of of a, of a new generation marker to be able to charge seventy bucks. So and they're not charging seventy dollars on their other games now. If they were like, hey, inflation, yo, times are hard. We're charging seventy bucks now. I'd be like, well, that sucks, but. If it's across the board, like I get it, but no, they're just doing it for Zelda because they know that everyone's going to buy their Zelda game and yeah, it's bigger and yeah, that's, that's a good reason and stuff too, but it's just, it's just irritating. It's like, you guys aren't, you guys are just trying to gouge me because it's a, it's a Zelda game, but that's the way it is. I don't know. Maybe after I get into it and I'm like, Hey, uh, this game is really, really huge and really, really amazing. I can see now why they charged $70 for it. I'll be happy to eat crow if that time comes. But for now, it's just, it just feels like I'm being gouged. Uh, well, it's it was inevitability at this point. I yeah. mean, I'm surprised they lasted this long. Uh, you know, honestly, when the other, playing devil's advocate, I mean, it takes longer to make games. Uh, if you, you know, if you wanted to follow the old work mentality of having crunch time, uh, then yeah, games could come out quicker. But I mean, this game has been pushed back quite a bit. We both thought that it was going to come out last year. It didn't. Uh, like I wasn't too surprised when it got pushed, but at the same time, it got pushed before. So it's just like, oh yeah, they really needed to come out, you know, uh, fall of 2022. But they actually pushed it back. So, uh, and you've seen the way they release uh, DLC. Uh, not very, not very well. Not very uh profitable on their side so they can't really uh, fall back on that model and i mean what did they do for the last one they did uh you got that motorcycle i think it was and a few other small things so it really wasn't that great of dlc yeah the dlc wasn't so extra great. bills um so yeah it's just uh they can't do it they can't really make this into a long-term uh you know uh, long-term goal like uh you would a xbox or a playstation game where like yeah let's do a steady flow of dlc and you know but if they did you know people would start hating them for them for that too because like they can sell a bunch of different costumes for for link if they wanted to and people would be gladly paid like what you can make link uh into put link into samus armor sure you know you can make link look like mario sure that's the first I mean, thing I thought of. People pay all that stupid stuff for like, yeah, let me let me cosplay Link as any Nintendo property character. Where's where's my Kirby glider, huh? You know, it's just 
uh they would love to you know like but then people would be saying oh nintendo's they're you know they're so evil because they're profiting off their blah 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 like there's no winning so yeah for them to fight, you know like i will i will defend the fact that like well this game is been in development uh for a very long time i can totally see why they're bumping this one up and at the same time it's also you know the system is at the end of its life cycle i think it's been what five years now at least 2017 uh, so it's getting onto that sixth year yeah yeah so it's just like they really need to start looking into the future for the next uh, iteration and you know it's just like normally if the pandemic didn't happen uh they would have had you know you think they would have had some sort of mid bump you know like the uh you know the dsi to the ds or like even a 3ds version you know so they should be having some sort of new switch you know pro whatever something switch to uh switch ii whatever the hell they want to do with it because they're terrible at naming stuff so yeah i mean the switch is actually it's it's kind of a bad name but also kind of a good name um but you're right they are ever since the super nintendo they've been pretty bad at naming anything yeah i, I mean it is going to be 18 gigabytes bigger than the original uh, breath of the wild so it is that's a considerable amount you know that's that's pretty freaking huge so maybe they're putting all their dlc ideas into this game and they're not going to sell very much at all uh and they're just going to make this a, a big fat game and just charge you they're like well we know everyone's going to buy it so we're going to make them go ahead and pay you know 10 more dollars for the dlc that they're not going to buy um we're just going to go ahead and jam it in there I, I, well, I get you also, it. Switch has always had the Switch tax as well. You know, people saying if you wanted to buy a physical cart of something, you're always going to be paying more. Uh, com, you know, in a lot of respect compared to buying it digitally. Um, and you also have the fact that you know because it, it's more expensive to to print things on carts. That depending on how big the game is, you'd have to have a bigger size cart. So you know, it naturally, would end up costing more than it should, like it would on any other platform. Uh, discs are cheap. Uh, granted, you know, you have there's a lot of benefit to having a cart, but now you still have to download patches and stuff. Still, it's not like it's um, the good old days as people pined for. So there's no real, like I said, it's just, uh, it sucks. Yeah, you know, it's always nice to be able to pay less. Uh, but I feel like even a lot of Nintendo games are actually getting discounted more than they used to. They are, um, yeah, I think so. So, yeah, uh, it's kind of it's kind of a weird wait. thing. Like, I wonder, I, I, I mean, this is probably going to be this Zelda. It's probably going to be the last Zelda before, uh, hopefully, the last Zelda before a, a Switch 2 or whatever comes out. But I would think a Switch 2 would be on the way and by 2025. Um, and we'd probably hear about something in 2024 at the very least. Yeah, anyway. Yeah, you'd think you'd hear something relatively soon about at least hinting at the future. But at the same time, well, I mean, well, there's uh, all those, this uh, will look great. This will look great on a Steam Deck. Just saying. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's going to be there running 60 uh, FPS 4K. Yeah, it's going to be it's going to be on that. Gosh, that is is wild. Uh, it's, it just makes you wonder why why things are the way they are. But oh well. Anyway, so yeah, that's it for the the Zelda thing. Um, so other other thing, uh, two more things. Bobby Kotick, they're saying will probably be the CEO um, of Activision blizzard uh of activision if the deal with uh microsoft falls through and uh he's in separately but also kind of similar uh, in the same vein story 
Bobby Kotick himself is claiming that Sony is trying to sabotage the deal between Microsoft and Activision. Um, I don't know. I, I kind of think on that first part that like people reporting that he'll still be the CEO if the deal falls through. I think that they, I think that that's probably true, true enough, but I think that they're touting that and putting it out there because they know that everybody hates Bobby Kotick. And so they're like saying, well, if you want uh, this guy that you hate to be ousted, then don't stop the deal. Uh, let the deal go through and then he'll be ousted. But uh, if you don't, then you're keeping this, this guy that you think is a creep uh, in as CEO. But anyway, so that's kind of the scuttlebutt that's going on with uh, that never ending cycle of Microsoft Activision deal stuff talk going on. All right. Yeah. I mean, we'll see how this turns out, but it's, you know, uh, let's see if they can keep the ball rolling and make them also the, uh, the worst thing of this year as well. Yeah. It's, it's weird. Cause it's like, you know, the UK and EU and stuff are trying to block the deal from happening. Um, I don't know how much the U S cares about it. It doesn't seem like they're into blocking it as much um, I, I don't know. Like I, I, I look at Sony and I'm like, look, they have all of Japan, um, on lockdown with Nintendo, I guess, but they also have the United States and Europe, uh, pretty well in hand. Whereas Xbox only has the United States and Europe, which is a lot, but nobody in Japan really buys anything to do with Xbox. Like they They've never been able to break in there. Um, and si- and it's not an important numbers. enough market. That that has been proven by Sony themselves. Sony has now officially recognized the West uh, for being for things like their controller configuration. So yes, uh, I mean y- you may not have Japan. That that feels like it's. I think that's from a bygone era. Like yeah, their market's so big and so important, but that's not the case. I mean, have you studios ever are, played but... Risk? Yes. Right. In this situation, Japan is Australia. If you've got Australia, you have this like this like un- unbreakable foothold where it's like, all right, this is where I'm going to make my last stand. So I, I just look at Japan. It's like, look, yeah, they're they're competing on on even footing more or less in in the United States and Europe and the rest of the world, but. When you have a place like Japan with 150 million people and a lot of avid gamers, then as Sony and Nintendo, you're always going to have that like nest egg. You're always going to be like, you're always going to be able to count on those sales and those numbers. And yeah, it's not as big as the United States and the EU, but it's significant. It's a good, it's a good portion. So it is a little bit more. So every time that you have like a console launch. It's like, yay, both, both are rising. Both are making all this money. But if you, but like the Japanese, uh, video game makers make a little bit more. And then over years, a little bit more, it's not the end of the world, but I'm kind of like, there's that there's definitely room for Microsoft to own a little bit more and just, and to still be on even footing with Sony, but I don't know. Like I can also, I, I can also make an argument for the other way where it's like, just freaking break up all these companies. Um, 
and uh, and create more competition overall, and that would help the consumer too. But it, I don't know. It is what it is. All right. And what do you got for the last bit of news? The last thing is, uh, so there's a new near iOS game that's uh, coming out. So there's been some some rumors on the um, on the Reddit on the near Reddit forums, which I frequent. There's been some little hints here and there about a new near game. Um, we were all hoping that it would be a. I shouldn't say a near game. It's it's a Yoko Taro game, but there's been some hints. We were hoping it would be a near game, uh, like a full length. Uh, PS5 type near game, but it um, doesn't seem like that's the case, uh, though that is probably coming in the future at some point. So this Yoko Taro game on iOS is going to be... The storyline is in a dystopian future where Sega actually did really well Um they ended up taking over the world and creating this dystopian future. And then the games that Sega made in this iOS game being made by Yoko Taro, they are anthropomorphized as girls, as anime girls. And it is up to you to fix this dystopia that has been created by Sega. I think it's like mostly like a it looks like it's like a chat text-based game with with um you know anime girls and stuff sort of like a visual novel of of some kind. But anyway, it looks weird. So it definitely looks like Yokotaro and I'm eager to play it. Um but I think it might only be in Japanese, I don't know. But it's only on iOS for now or it will initially be on iOS. And uh, I will report back whenever that comes out. Yeah, that sounds like those, uh, I think it's the Hyper Dimension and Tunia games where uh, the girls represent the consoles. Uh, so it's like you literally have, uh, like yeah. one of the girls has like the button configuration as a hairpiece. Um, but yeah, that's a long running franchise. Uh, and that's, that's the first thing that came to my mind when you're talking about uh, characters rep being, you know, representation as a uh, you know female character so i'm like all right so uh most definitely going to make it big money in japan for sure yeah uh, so so the uh the game right now is called 404 game reset it's like re colon set so 404 game reset and it's by sega so that's something that's happening um, what what it will mean in the long run, no one no one can say for sure. Wait, wasn't this announced before, like a while a little while ago? Um, this is I, fifteen nine hours ago, and all these new all right, four days ago. I, I just remember, I just remember them doing uh, mentioning Gamatsu like, had uh, some Virtual Fighter. Um, what was that? Akira from Virtual Fighter or whatever. The I remember them showing something about him being anyways uh all right well yeah for sure keep us posted on that i mean it, it'll be uh i would not be surprised if they end up dropping uh near lore just for the hell of it they will uh, just 
they'll they'll have a character description of something and they'll give you just a little bit more and then you and your frothing uh near fans will just love that extra little bit of tidbit that's what they do that's uh, how they bait you into the new game like oh there's some extra near like stuff in it here is, it's like that french fry in the bottom of the bag um yeah it's like oh yay <laughs> that's <laughs> for the good. one the one onion ring that you get with your french fries yeah <laughs> uh anyways all right that's like i uh, think that's the most perfect analogy that you've ever said in your entire life <laughs> the near lore is like the french fry at the bottom of the bag that's great okay uh, okay so <laughs> now we're gonna get to the uh what we've been watching all right so watching uh, or playing i will all right I'm going to, okay, well, I'm going to get to, I, I really wanted to get this topic on, so that's why uh, okay. I wanted to hit this first. That's fine. Um, but I'll let you, I'll let you say your piece, and then mine's going to take a little bit longer, so. <laughs> uh, so what have you been watching, sir? So I watched, uh, this movie's been out for a little while, I watched The Glass Onion, which is uh, from Knives Out, the Knives Out 2 or whatever. Um, uh, this has been on Netflix for months now i guess uh I, I watched it and um it's like two hours 15 minutes so it's a kind of a bit of a lot it's it's a little bit long of a movie but um it is uh if for anybody that doesn't know out there it is a whodunit mystery um set on a private island uh and um there's a lot of actors kind of an ensemble cast of actors, most of whom you would you would recognize, um, if not um, think that they're quite famous. Edward Norton is in it. Uh, Daniel Craig, uh, Kate Hudson, Dave uh, Bautista. His name's his first name Dave. Anyway, um, and some other people yeah, that the, you, yeah, Drax. That's it's Drax. Drax. Yeah. yeah. So you, you'd recognize a lot of these people and some some faces that I hadn't seen before too as well um it's good it's uh it was uh it was uh it was very good uh a very good mystery in general um then uh and then uh so i live in texas so we had our annual power outage again uh this uh the week before last and uh so my power went out and so I had to go over to my parents' house, who still had power, uh, and stayed with them. And so whenever we were all kind of sitting around the TV at night, I was like, hey, have you guys seen The Glass Onion? And so I watched it with them again. And uh, my dad was pretty smart. He actually caught uh, one of the things that they try to kind of fool you on in the movie. And he was like, wait, no, that's not how that happened. And I was like, dang, he like, caught that like straight out because i didn't whenever i was watching it for the first time but anyway uh it, it's a it's a good movie and um i think it's better than than knives out i think people were saying that they didn't like it as much but i think it's better than knives out it's uh it's it's definitely a little bit different um but it's fun has a has a has a fun ending where they wrap up everything pretty nicely um so if you haven't already seen that, which you probably have, if you have any interest in it at all by now, but if you haven't seen that, I recommend uh, giving it a, a little bit of a watch. 
Yeah, I couldn't bring myself to watch it. I watched Knives Out and I thought it was just okay. Um, it really wasn't. I mean, I mean, it, it's you know they kind of try to be a clever mystery. It, it felt more like uh, a flop for trying to be like Clue than it did like an actual real mystery because they don't give you all the clues you need to solve it yourself. They just ha- and then the the things they pull out the end were like and then there's it's like it's like the later Agatha, Agatha Christie stuff where it's just like well you you're making this as a plot twist but if you didn't give it to me as a potential like thing i you know like if you a good mystery will let you solve it yourself and a bad mystery you'll solve it really really quickly um but um, you know if you're done well you're like you'll keep you guessing and yeah maybe you'll get it at the end but i mean it, when it comes to be like and it was really the cameraman because that person was there the entire time you know or something like that it's just like well thanks guys you uh you got one over on us you know by hiding like key facts and that's why that's where i that's where the agatha christie like example comes in because i feel like when you in the knives out it was just like well yeah you can follow to a certain extent but then they started pulling out stuff towards the end and i'm like all right that they literally hinted at nothing of this beforehand. And so it wasn't like you can easily you know, like guess it from point to point. You could just make a, a wild speculation. But it was, yeah, I was disappointed with Knives Out. It's like, if you just like a simple popcorn film, then yeah, it was good. But it was like, as far as yeah. an actual real mystery, I felt it was lacking in that department. It was entertaining, uh, yes. But I mean... I think it was like, I, th- I think Glass Onion is going to follow, follow along those same lines for you, though. I do think that the mystery is a bit better. Um, there are some things in Knives Out where I thought it should have gone a different way, and it it didn't. Um, but but at Glass Onion, it's a little bit more cut and a little bit a little bit more cut and dry of a mystery. But I I do think it's probably misses out and doesn't uh, give you every single thing that you need to solve the mystery before they actually just show it to you. But so it's a little bit more. Poc- popcorn film like that all right well i ended up watching uh a new netflix uh series and it was called uh make my day uh so it's uh all right it's i forget who who did the studio on this one but they've only done they did another netflix anime or animated uh bit and so it's a it's this is a like an eight episode uh you know sci-fi story uh and it's like you know you're on a foreign ice planet and mining for new materials uh and uh, you're one of the, the main character is one of the colonists uh he happens to be a prison guard so the it's it's kind of neat the one thing i thought was interesting is how the title uh they play with the uh make for make my day and the e is spun up and it's a very circular e so it almost looks like a, a zero or an o with a line through it and so it looked like a mako and i'm like okay so if they're going based off of energy uh it's just like you know but it's like mako my day but i'm like that's kind of i'm like that's totally sounds like a japanese thing um but yeah the you'll notice right away right out the gate that the uh cg uh, to this because it's all CG is looks like a PS One game. It looks like a a special kind of ass. Um, 
it was just like it was really rough and really jarring uh they tried doing some unique things in episode one where they they kind of give it that throwback vibe of uh propaganda on the tv like as he's doing a prisoner transport and they're like you know everyone here is equal and you know we don't care about your past you can work off your you know pretty much work your time off uh for whatever crime you committed uh so you can work in the mines and uh it's just like all right that you know they they actually animate certain parts of that and i'm like oh that looks nice ish you know like as far as a throwback you know thing to that i'm like then they go back to the cg and it's just like oof um we're talking about like uh what it actually reminded me of uh Galarain's, uh which is an old rpg you know jrpg and or like a tekken one like some of those cutscenes in there it's just like very blocky oh, wow. very stilted i mean the, the color and the shading you know of course are better but it's just something about those scenes were just uh, really bad and uh i don't know why netflix really likes to promote really bad cg and of course japan doesn't help help themselves with coming out with good you know decent cg it's like it's just it really was jarring yeah i don't but know i watched all eight episodes um Dude, <laughs> why I... would i do that to myself uh like i mentioned before anime is real easy to watch while you're doing stuff like cooking uh and uh so i was actually more interested in the story because it was unique enough uh okay you know it's, it kind of had this it kind of reminded me a little bit of uh, Lost Planet because they're on this frozen tundra of a you know place called Coldfoot. I'm like, wow, that's a really great name for a for your place. Just name it Coldfoot. Um, and you know, it's just the it has enough unique sci-fi elements. Uh, you know, it's like the main the main kid since he's uh, he ends up being he's a guard or you know. He ends up having to help with a uh, collapse. The one of the mines, uh, you know, there's an explosion, so he's looking for survivors. And they actually have these little exo, uh, you know, suits, kind of similar to, uh, I guess, the, the most recent thing for you would be what Avatar, uh, the Marines would use for lifting boxes and stuff. So they show him jumping out from like you know, like twenty foot up out of a helicopter, just landing on the ground with Dude, taking the I've, impact. I've seen enough anime. For enough decades to know what a fucking exosuit is. I don't know, man. Uh, it's just, you're, you're a little Jeez limited on your Louise, dude. <laughs> Come on, man. That's so I, I would go, I would go back you. with the original Starship Troopers, but which actually this kind of reminded me of. That's the thing is this reminded me of some of those old CG uh, shows you'd watch on TV uh, growing up. And uh, it's like... Starship Troopers had their own CG one uh, really rough like Saturday morning cartoon called uh, Roughnecks and it was not bad as far as the story goes but also that was pretty decent CG for the time which I honestly feel wasn't much worse than what they were showing me in front of my face um, yeah you know that or like the old Beast Wars you know Beast Wars is really bad compared for nowadays but that was really it was amazing back then back that back yeah. when that came out it was like whoa this is freaking insane awesome i was a little kid though so that's probably why i thought it was cool but yeah it's um the standard is a uh, the bar is a lot higher now yeah it should be but unfortunately it isn't for this animation quality but the story like i said it it was it it played like a I think they wanted to be a video game because mm. as like essentially they go to find some survivors, they find a uh, 
you know, a prisoner who's left alive. And then there's essentially a swarm of you know, bug-like creatures. They, they excavate uh, a dormant hive, essentially. And so they're like, yeah, we got to make it back to, like, each like each level, essentially, is we got to make it from point A to point B. Uh, each place we're getting to is being swarmed, so it's a constant threat. And they're like, yeah, we have to get to this lift. So they get to the, you know, you get to the elevator and they're like, yeah. Uh, next thing you know, like, oh, we're, they do, it doesn't have power. So they quickly do a, like a, a, not really a montage, but they just quick time lapse of next thing you know, uh, the prisoner and the guard, like they're loading up the batteries, uh, one battery on each side to power the lift. And then they go like, okay, next scene. And so it's like, you didn't have to show us that. But since you did, it makes me really feel like, that point in the video game where like i need two key cards you know <laughs> something like that uh, they do a number of things like that that it feels very uh very awkward i guess but at mm. the same time i'm like yeah this is totally if i can see it more as a video game adaptation it, it kind of makes it better and they did uh but they had some really weird translation choices or like just uh dialogue choices because like in the be very beginning the one of the guards he's a jerk uh character and he's just constantly like bagging on like the new guy uh which is the main character and he keeps on calling him virgin uh because that's a japanese insult to to kind of whip around uh being like you're inexperienced you don't know no enough about life but he says it like multiple times and i'm like this doesn't track for the western audience this isn't something just gets that, like you know, as a sci-fi like author, you're like, and this is what I'm writing down. I'm writing down. You know, it's like this is the insult he has to say. I'm like, really? Yeah. <laughs> um, there's some so just, there's some weird stuff like that. Like I, I was uh, watching Demon Slayer, and there's this one character that they translate what he says as flamboyant. Like he says, like uh, you're like he's like insulting people by saying you're. The way that you do, do things is not flamboyant or you're not flamboyant enough. And then in the then later episodes, they translate him as saying flashy. And I'm like, I'm just like, okay, well, what they mean is stylish, but they need to use all three words and maybe more to differentiate what he's trying to say, because it's, it's for what, for whatever reason, it's not coming across uh right in in english so yeah i've I've experienced that uh recently in some stuff myself it's one of those things just kind of hard sometimes stuff gets just lost in translation yeah uh for sure i mean but essentially like yeah, this entire you know make my day was it was just it was okay um but at the same time they had to ham it up for like the good guy, like the main character, he's a super nice guy. And like, so long as doesn't matter how bad people are, so long as you apologize and you mean it, then it's okay. And like, there's, you get, you know, they end up, he ends up rescuing a bunch of people. And it's just, it's funny. Cause it's like, Oh, like we need to, <laughs> it's like, it's like, there's an explosion about to happen. Everyone's like, get away, stay, stay away from the windows, you know? And they had just hinted before that there is a vehicle, on a different floor that may or may not work, but it was there. Someone saw it. The very next scene, as the explosion happened, they're saying, "Stay away from the windows. We gotta make sure we don't get caught." They, you just hyper cuts to them 
escaping on that vehicle and i'm like wait a minute we missed a large segment of something <laughs> you know but they they fast forward a lot which i'm like you know what it's i understand why they fast forward because you don't need to draw everything out and it'd just be a long like once again a video game it'd be a long stealth sequence or uh-huh. something where you try not to be seen by the enemy and it's just like how much of that do you actually want to watch um weird but yeah it was it was really weird choices on some of those fronts and like there's this one survivor who's just constantly being like they've shown him a few times and it's just being a piece of trash altogether. a couple people are like we need to murder this person like you know none of us are going to object and he's like no no we got to we got to help him and then lo and behold that person turns you know turns on them at the very last minute and they're like no don't worry we're still not going to murder you and then at the very very end they're like he happens to save a child's life because no one knows how to do CP like proper like CPR or something. And so he, and because so like, Oh, see, it, it all worked out. This, this guy who literally tried getting you all killed multiple times, he abandoned you, left you for dead. Like, but it's, it's okay. So even he's redeeming a uh, person. Like, I like, no dude, it's oh, I just, it, yeah. <laughs> it's so flipping annoying for something like this. I'm kind of like, you know, why did this get made? Like, why did they decide that this story needs to be done in not very good CG? Uh, it's, I don't think anyone has ever heard of this series. I don't think it's like, was it an original idea made just for the, for the animation or, it's, yeah, I'm not sure if it's based off a of manga or anything like that. I have no idea, but it's just, so, you know, it is one of their original series, so it's like it's eight episodes and done. Yeah, it's hopefully. It's, God, I hope it's done. It's <laughs> yeah, it's just like why like why make this? Yeah, you know, a lot there's plenty of stuff that they make, you know, but that it's like sort of just out of the blue, like, well, this is my idea. But usually when it's like that, it's like this is my idea, and everyone who's read it who's, you know, passed around the script, you know, the suits and stuff go, this is good. This is like good material. So we're going to make it and we're going to maybe do something a little bit more eccentric with it, but we're going to put some real money behind it and uh, try hard a little bit on it. Um, But this just seems like something I I looked at a little bit and I was like, well, the graphics don't seem as bad as to me, upon first looking at it, as kind of you're making it seem, but they definitely are not good. Um, it's, you can gloss over it after a while, but that first episode's really jarring, especially when you're seeing yeah. some of the other added footage that they're cutting to. Because I don't think you you never you didn't finish you didn't make it like 15 minutes into that first episode, did you? I only watched like 30 seconds. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Because within within the first like two minutes, they start showing like. Uh, the TV oh, and maybe the, the per- person, the, the okay. woman doing the propaganda, and you're like, "Wow, that's just rough." Yeah. Like they don't even hide that one. Well, you see, yeah. yeah, and that's the thing is like, like the new Trigun Stampede, it is a, you know, they're taking an old IP that hasn't been touched in a long time that everybody loves, I guess, and they're doing something different with the animation. They're not just they're not just doing a cash grab. They're like, okay, we know you're going to want to watch this because everybody likes Trigun. So we're going to do it in a new CG style that we're going to try hard on. And it does look a little wonky at times, but it looks really good a lot of the other times. So that I'm like, okay, I understand, I understand what you're trying to do there. But for this make my day, I was like, I don't know what your goal was here. 
Yeah, this is done by uh, Five Inc. And they did the other. They did a uh, exception uh, for Netflix, which I hadn't seen. Uh, and that's like the only credit that I've seen to their name is these two things for Netflix. Uh, I feel like it's. Um, it reminds me of you, the Yule Bull, the guy who made a bunch of video game movies as a tax like front loophole. Uh, it kind of reminds me of that situation where like let's make some terrible stuff and let's just we have money to burn or we got to do something weird like that. Well, I think he was being subsidized by the German government to subsidize German film. I think that was that's what was going on there. And then I'm sure there's plenty of tax stuff, but. Yeah, he was. That's what happens when you prop up, prop up the arts. <laughs> like you need to let that die. You need to let the arts die, live or die, based on its uh, merits. But you know, whatever. All right. So on, on, after all that rant, uh, like I said, it was, it was just okay. Uh, a lot of stuff I just end up saying it's just okay. I'm like I didn't like the story was interesting enough, but it was like the between the quality of how it looked, and I was just disappointed in that i mean you you kind of if you focus enough on the story you can kind of gloss you get your eyes adapt to the, the art style but then every now and then it does something a little jarring you're like oh yeah that still looks rough that sucks um <laughs> yeah it was you know and then it ends with everyone being like we have a brave new world ahead of us see like we have we can everything will be great and i'm like oh god man they're gonna make a sequel now i know it and it's just like this is gonna be the literally right afterwards where things go terribly wrong like the you know like 48 hours later or something but uh, i hope they don't make a sequel <laughs> they probably won't it the, sounds like i don't think anyone's so, cared care about this enough for them to make a sequel yeah so i guess the brings up the, the question i wanted to ask is um which you know uh what do you classify as anime so what is anime in your eyes yeah. because i have a rough a rough one with this i'm like yeah i think i'd classify this as anime but also i don't want to classify this anime um so i was gonna ask you your opinion on this so there was this judge i think he might have been a supreme court judge or something but he was a judge and uh there was a case i'm gonna butcher this whole story long story short there was a case on pornography that came up and the judge ended up saying i can't define porn but i know it when i see it <laughs> and i think that anime sort of falls in that category as well um because like there's a there's a desire by a lot of people to want to just say, well, if it's made in Japan and it's in this relative style, then it's anime. But a lot of anime is made is actually penned and inked and uh, put together in like Korea or in China or in other countries. Um, and also done by a lot of non-Japanese people. Um and so I think you're going to talk probably about the Legend of Korra a little bit, so maybe I'll, I'll leave that alone. But I think to me, anime is more than anything; it is a style, um, and it can be made anywhere by anyone. But it is a particular style um, with sort of—I don't want to say broad, I don't want to say narrow boundaries, but it is ultimately an anime style and that's pretty much the only place that I can like draw a line around it. 
Yeah, it's what it's uh, for me. I think it's you know you kind of have to be where is it a glass half full or half empty? It depends on where you started. Um, so in Japan, you know everything's classified as any anything animated, you know any cartoon, uh, because it's, it's really jarring when you hear them talk about the Simpsons anime, and you're like, wait, what? Uh, you're like, oh, that's right. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, you would classify that as anime. Uh, but you know, from the Western outlook, you know, coming from the history of like Japanimation, and yeah, you know, it's just like it. You know, it's, you know what classifies. You know, you can ask yourself that with like, what's a JRPG now? You know, compared to what it is back then yeah. or something. You know, so it's you know when it comes to anime. Uh, yeah, I think I think a lot of it does have to do with uh, the style and what you're trying to invoke. Uh, I mean. Now, if, um, for example, if a Japanese studio came out with something really weird or really unique, uh, something like, uh, what is it, the rotoscoping in Scanner Darkly, you know, if they did like an entire thing like that, Scanner Darkly by no, no means is a uh, anime, but, you know, it's, it is all animated and it's, uh, so I would not call it, like, if, even if a Japanese studio came out with that, I don't think I would necessarily call that anime. Um, now, when it comes to like modern studios, like you mentioning uh, Korra, but like you know the last air, you know Avatar: The Last Airbender slash um, Netflix's uh, Voltron, you know it's like those are very much inspired uh, by anime. You know, it's most I find a lot of those uh, kids' cartoons, you know, are starting to get that you know that style, the the character design, you know, eyes uh, shading, kind of the action scenes themselves. Uh, I feel like that's more and more uh, as you know, kids have grown up with you know anime being around more. Like that, that influences their art style. So there is a blurrier line than what it used to be. And yeah, um, yeah, you bring up a really good point there about you know Simpsons being anime in Japan, and I, I and it's I think it's because. Japan has never asked for Western animation um, in any serious kind of way. They've never had a demand for Western animation, whereas the West has had a demand for uh, Japanese animation for, you know, going on decades now. Um, so, like, if they did, if they did start to go like, hey, we really like, you know, Rick and Morty and, uh, I mean, really... Uh, the West would have to start putting out a lot more uh, different types of animation as well. But if they did start to ask for that and that kind of made its own invasion um, airing on, on TV over in Japan a lot more then yeah, you might see something along the lines of a, um, of, of a Weston, you know, like they would probably name it something that is different from, you know, anime just to say, this is, you know, still a cartoon, but it's in the Western style, the way that we have, you know, co-opted anime. It doesn't mean animation. It means, it means cartoons drawn in the Japanese style, um, the traditional, I guess, Japanese style now. So yeah, it's, it's one of those weird cultural things. They just haven't really had the demand for it. So um, I would like to, I would like to see a inverted world where, where that happened. That'd be a, a fun story to explore. 
I don't know, man. That sounds terrifying. The uh, the invasion of like uh, Family Guy art style meets uh, like you know the Simpsons and you know the South Park is taking over everywhere. Um, like, it's just it would be like Family uh, Guy art style, but they like hunt for like the 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 Super Sword or whatever, like Family Guy Gundam <laughs> or something. <laughs> that would be that now. Now I'm very intrigued. <laughs> All right. Uh, but yeah, so it's just, you know, it's, it kind of is a state of mind. Uh, it's, you know, what, you know, you can classify, I feel like you can classify a lot of Western, uh, you know, new Western cartoons as anime. And there's no one should really take much offense. And if you do, well, that's, that's for you. I mean, that's if you want to die on that hill, that's fine. Uh, but you know, I honestly think it's not worth too too much fighting over. When it comes to like these CG things, I'm like, well, these characters are obviously modeled uh, after, um, you know, after you know, anime characters. One of the things I did, I forgot to mention though, is in Make My Day, uh, they have a robot companion. And the designer of the robot is actually someone famous, and I'm dropping. I can't remember his name now, but he's the same guy who did like the robot design for like Escaflone and some stuff, other other ones. And it's just like, I'm like, okay, well, that's cool. I mean, it's a it's just a companion. Kind of reminds you of, um, you know, the little Metal Gear from uh, was that Metal Gear Four uh, or like Snatchers. Um, but you know, but this one's a you know a bit more tanky. You know, it's like it's a, a much bigger size. But it's just that they gave it a personality. Uh, he, they gave it a name, and it's a it's a slight AI, so it like it responds to uh, when they call him. And it's just like yeah, it's it's a cute companion character that fights with them. Uh, okay. They call it Casper. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So I don't know. It's just a weird. It was a weird naming choice. I'm like, you went with Casper. Okay. Was not expecting that. Uh, <laughs> But yeah, it's a. Uh, I don't know. It, um, this, I I don't know. I just really have bad a problem with Japanese uh, CG. You know, a lot of anime do it. There's some anime do, does it right, but a lot of them do it wrong. Or when they do it with people movement, like it's so stilted and it just doesn't there. It doesn't have enough frames, so it's very. It looks very cheap. Yeah, if they had enough. You know, if they had enough key animations in it, it'd be more. You know, if it was more smooth. Then you'd be like, all right, that's not a problem. And like you were mentioning, uh, Trigun is doing it very well, especially in comparison to something like this. Just like, wow, this is like a masterclass compared to, uh, at least that's the way I feel. Yeah, and Trigun is doing it better, but like, I kind of wonder if it maybe it's, um, like, if it's because American CG animation animators, um, they've had longer with it. You know, they've been they've cared about it. For, for a lot longer with, with Pixar and all that stuff. But I wonder if they looked at it and were like, okay, this is still animation, but because it is in 3D, we now have to look at it more like, um, more realistic. Like we have to figure out how it works um, in how it pertains to the real world more than animation. Whereas maybe Japanese animators are like, okay, this is animation. So we're going to try to make it work like anime. And it's like, well, it's not 2D anymore. Um, and it's not, you can't stretch and bend stuff quite as as much uh, because the human brain is trying to look at it in in three dimensions and it doesn't, it doesn't jive 
the same way. So I, I just wonder if maybe that's the thing. But anyway, we could probably opine I, on I, it yeah, for a I, lot. Yeah, my, my I, I feel like it's more of a thing on budget. It's like, yeah, it we can do yeah. it for cheaper. Uh, let's instead of having to animate from point A to point B, you can just literally CG map it and like, yeah, let the computer do itself. And that's what makes it look really awkward. Um, and that's that's my opinion anyways, because if it was if they had a, I feel like if they had better budgets, they would start to put more quality in but i feel it's like that's the best corner cutting you know you know like it is like expensive gonna, we need we need 50 soldiers in the background and they're all going to run like robots and like run really high armed up as they're going through and i'm like wow that's those soldiers really really know how to march there you know yeah uh but yeah that's you know anyways all right uh thanks for answering that question uh, now we're going to go back to, uh, what have you been playing? Because like I said, I just, I had to get that off my chest. And it's like, it was just bugged the crap out of me. So thanks for humoring me. No, that's so. good. It's good to move up, uh, something important like that. Um, yeah, I've been playing Signalis. Uh, this game is on, I think a bunch of systems right now. Um, I've been playing it on game pass, which uh, I think I think it fits that. If it did not end up coming to Game Pass, though, I probably would have bought it um, because it's a very cool looking game. It is a uh, isometric, so like top down sort of, but an isometric uh, third person um, horror game in the same sort of vein as maybe like old Resident Evil. But the storyline um, has to do with um, uh, like androids crashed on a planet, um, cold outside. You don't have a memory, um, and you're wandering around this this facility trying to figure out what happened and how to get off or survive. Um, and uh, it is a Probably the most interesting thing about it on its face is that it is in um, made in I guess I guess you'd probably call them closer to PS2, but they're they're like PS2 style graphics, cleaned up a bit, uh, made to look nicer for a 1080p screen, but they are emulating that old style of graphics, um, and they're doing it very very well. It is a uh, it is a striking looking game. They understand how those old graphics work best and sort of how creepy they were. Like, like I've been seeing a lot of videos of, about this on YouTube in general about how PS1 and PS2 era games, uh, because of the low poly aspect, they had an extra creep factor that seems to have been lost. Um, in, in in today's games even in today's like high-tech horror games they're just there's something unsettling about those about those uh you know silent hill and resident evil games so anyway this game is yeah, it's what's not seen it's what you can't make out the the uh when you you have more you know you had the fog in silent hill uh but also you couldn't see a proper face you can it's um it's when you see an like it's when you see the monster in a horror film, right? It's yeah. more creepy when you only see a glimpse of the monster, but when you see the full thing out, like oh, that's a rubber suit, you know. So it's, um, it, yeah. The more detail you give it, unless if you have a like an exquisite, you know, piece of art asset, something like you know you get from a From Software game, you know, it's just like it's kind of hard to have that 
with a low or so simple, you know, so if you dumb it down to this, that makes more sense. Yeah, like, you know, the, the simple graphics make it a little can make it way more scary yeah. as far as uh, your imagination will fill in the blanks. Yeah, it, it really can. And the sound quality on this game is really good too. Like um, they have good music, uh, but they, they have very, very minimal music um, if really any, a lot of the time. And they do, they make a lot of really creepy sounds and stuff uh, in the game uh, that, you know, it's just straight away, even like loading the game or saving the game. It had, it puts this like creepy siren out and um, it's, it's unsettling. It's uh, so they've, the people that made this game, I believe it's made by um, uh, humble bundle uh, games. Uh, they did a really good job and it, it uh, is definitely a good throwback. I only put, put about three hours into it. Um, but uh, I don't know how much more I'm going to actually get uh, going to get to play, but it's, it's uh it's very well made. I would like to see another one from these games or from this uh, game maker, but it's it's just really good overall. Um, it, it is in a bit of an anime style, which is sort of weird to say that that doesn't become a factor very much, except for in some of the like cutscenes, I guess. Um, and the, the puzzles are good and stuff like that. Um, it's just a uh, if 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 you even if you're not really into horror games. I would say play the first, you know, half hour or so um, just to get the aesthetic uh, because it is it is worth uh, seeing, at least on that point. Oh, that's cool, man. Uh, yeah, it's, I have I've had it downloaded for like the last month and a half, two months on my PC, but I just haven't gotten around to it. So, uh, yeah, I'm glad you actually got around to, to you know, looking at it and uh yeah, the art style does look neat, does look uh, neat. It kind of reminds me of um, a little bit of like the you know like reminiscent of like Ghost in the Shell or something like that. The way they tried making her look, um, I don't yeah. know, just just something about the art. Yeah, uh, but that's you know, uh, I would like to say I'd get to it, but honestly, like I said, it's been on my computer for months. I haven't touched it. I probably won't get around to it anytime soon. Yeah, uh, so that's how it goes sometimes. Yep. Uh, well, I've been uh, since I had. Uh, recently got the uh, Xbox, you know, Series X. Uh, I've decided to swing on by my local library and see what they had. So they had a uh, uh, Tiny Tina's Wonderland. Uh, that one is, you know, split screen multiplayer. So I was like, oh, awesome. I can go ahead and actually, you know, if we get some time, actually play some games with my wife. And sure enough, that's what we've been able to do. Uh, so if, if you don't know uh, Tiny Tina's Wonderland, it's the uh, Borderlands spinoff where it's uh, D&D themed. So you get classes, swords, you know, uh, you get you know other melee spells and stuff, you know, and then you get guns. <laughs> you get crossbows and actual like firearms later. Uh, but if you want to build a build a melee character, you most definitely can. Uh, two of the main voices in the game are uh, Andy Samberg and uh, Wanda Sykes. Wow, <laughs> so, was not was not expecting those. Love but, her yeah, voice. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so it's it's pretty funny. Uh, the game you're playing is not D and D, but it's bunkers and badasses. Um, and uh, yeah, it's it, it's entertaining. Uh, I'm enjoying it. It's, I mean, I know people either love or hate uh, Borderlands games, and I think it depends on who you play with. Because if you play with someone who's your uh, you play with the wrong group of people. Everyone's just you know, darting ahead, 
skipping the story, trying to just loot everything, and you're like, it just becomes uh, kind of like an old gauntlet, like the OG gauntlet style oh, game where yeah. everyone's just trying to grab food. Dang, I forgot so about that like, game. <laughs> <laughs> so it reminds me of something like that when you're playing with the wrong group. But when you're playing with the right group and you take your time and you're actually, you know, uh, messing around, you know, my wife and I like to explore, so we get you know we check for all the you know different corners, and we're like, oh yeah, check this out. We found this, and we're willing to um, to like split loot and stuff like that. So it makes it a lot easier. More of a Though chill they game do have, that way. They do have two different uh, option settings. Um, uh, one is uh, was it cooperation or something like that? So and the other ones, um, so it, instead of having and in the cooperation, yeah. So it's or they have it so you can set up where you, the multiplayer people. Everyone gets their own loot. Yeah, it it will be um it won't be the same, so it's still randomized. But that way, when you open up a treasure chest, you don't have to actually you know uh, you'll have double the loot essentially, uh, or you you'll have it where the traditional style where one person opens the chest first, they can hog it all for themselves. Uh, so, uh, yeah, they actually they made it a little more friendly, user friendly that way, and they have a I think it was like six to eight classes. I think six at least. Um, and some of the classes are unique in the Borderlands fashion. They have a, they have a Berserker, which is essentially a, you know, a melee focused, uh, you know, uh, Berserker with a cold affinity. So, you know, hence the BRR Zerker. And I'm like, all right, that's, that was clever. Uh, they have some really unique builds. We have, uh, we haven't gotten to, uh, we've only played for like maybe two hours. We did some side stuff and, uh, you know, it's like, but we haven't even gotten the chance of multi-class yet. So there's multi-class in this. I'm like, all right, that's, that's cool. Uh, we're, we're enjoying it so far and I'm actually pleased with it. I mean, uh, it looks good. It, it ha- it's funny. Uh, I, I don't know. I haven't played uh, Borderlands 3 or the Handsome Jack collection. So I stopped with Borderlands 2. But I've also played with a really bad group of people with Borderlands 2 uh. to the point where like, okay, guys, um, yeah, if we can't work together, then yeah. We'll have to do uh, something different. Yeah. See you never, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's too <laughs> so, bad. Uh, yeah. Outside of that, then, uh, I also played a, uh, uh, a board game. Uh, it's uh, called uh, Exit the Game. And this one, this scenario was The Abandoned Cabin. Okay. Uh, so... These are little, uh, essentially, uh, a, a quick, simple story game uh, in, in a box, in a very tiny box. And it's m- meant to be like a legacy style game, which means that you, you are meant to play it once and you're meant to alter the items, you know, whether it's to tear them up, write on them. Uh, you're, you know, so it's meant to be destroyed after the one use. But in a game like this, once you you know it's an escape room these are these are escape room style games so uh the whole point of it is in this in this scenario is we're in a, an abandoned cabin and next morning you wake up you go there to take shelter from a storm and you're locked in it so all you find is a like a handbook and a decoder kind of uh device on the side with it's, it's a couple of layer rings and it has like icons and numbers so you're like okay uh, so based off the handbook, uh, you have a couple of decks of cards. Uh, one deck is just hints for all the puzzles. So just like if you were in a real escape room and you needed a hint, you can flag you know someone for a hint. Well, they'll give you two hints and then the solution to whatever problem you have. Uh, then they have a bunch of clues 
and uh, some solutions. And so depending uh, based off the handbook, you're going through the handbook and you're finding your first, uh, you know, you're reading it carefully, trying to find your first clue. And then you'll just, you know, you're like, okay, well, here's some hints. I can try to decipher it with the decoder. And based off that, it'll tell me to draw whatever card. And so based off that card, it'll either give me uh, give me some other puzzle clues to you know, <laughs> unlock for, from the other deck, or it'll then lead me to go draw another card. And then you see, like, if you if you're guessing incorrectly, it'll be like, nope, this is a dead card. You know, it's like there's not you you didn't get it correct. Or it'll be like, oh, now here you are once again. Draw you know a different card from the the other pile and it's like all right here's the new clues you have here's some extra story lore or whatever and yeah it was uh it's you can probably do it between like one to two hours uh it's a one to, i think four player uh game and yeah it's it was it was a lot of fun a buddy of mine bought it for us uh just as uh, a thank you gift essentially and we're like yeah this is i think they go for like 15 20 bucks so they're pretty cheap, and especially when you compare it to uh, going to an actual escape room. And if you're going with multiple people, that's like usually anywhere from twenty to like you know fifty bucks a person. Yeah, uh, depending on how. Yeah, you know, and that's they can last up to a couple hours as well. So, uh, yeah, I think it was totally worth the little experience. You know, like the time, and we just you know we enjoyed a you know sitting around playing this game, having a couple drinks, and uh, but they have a bunch of scenarios. Just literally, they they have quite quite an extensive collection um i was told to be careful of the later series because i guess the writer has changed oh. and so the so because the writer has changed uh it became the puzzles became a little more uh, brute forced like uh so the the first the handful of games uh, there's like a secret lab there's a pharaoh's tomb uh there's also the um you know, there's like a return to the. Uh, there's actually a sequel to the cab, the abandoned cabin. Uh, but I guess those ones you can solve uh, with actual logic. And later on, some of them you feel like you're just having to, uh, you know, like I said, brute force your way. From what I was told, so I'm like, okay, well, so just a uh, forewarning, <laughs> just make sure. Uh, but they actually sell like the first uh, three, three as a set: the Pharaoh's tomb, um, science lab, and abandoned cabin for like. I think it was like 35 bucks off of Amazon or something like that. So I was like, oh, that's pretty nice um, for that little, you know, for that experience or like, you know, for 40 bucks or something like that to get uh, a handful of hours and you can get a good group. So I'm already looking at uh, a couple of friends coming over and us picking up uh, one of the other packs just to, just to play. Uh, so yeah, uh, I'm in, I have a couple more board games lined up that I'll probably end up talking about next time around. Uh, just kind of, fell into a weird situation where i came across these new board games uh so i was just like all right uh it's been forever since we got a chance to play board games those are also a little easier to pick up and put down uh especially with the children at night because if they wake up well we can just uh, leave it off like leave it in the spare room at that table and then come back to it the next day if we had to uh so that's kind of our game plan on that it's so, you know that's the nice, the nice thing about the new consoles too is you can also suspend a lot easier than it is. Uh, you know so yeah that is really that is a really cool thing about those but yeah that's cool man I, I like i like board games um but man it's hard to fit it's hard to fit more than the ones i have already in my life uh into my life so um it's always good to hear it's about getting, it's getting the people you need that's the problem that like is trying to, 
yeah. coordinate everyone to ha- take some time off and then oh yeah let me explain to you the rules to this game i know you guys just got here now listen to me talk for another 30 minutes about the you know how you should play this game yeah it's always it's always tough like the worst part of any board game is learning it but once you got to learn man there's some fun stuff that you can that you can do it's almost like the first game is sort of just throwaway. You have to just like, well, I'm going to sink two hours, three hours into this game. And then not really, and have some fun, sure. But the real fun is second, third, fourth, tenth playthrough, you know? Yeah. And then you have to, you know, it'll make or break friendships. That's for sure. Depending on the type of game. I'm very much a fan of cooperative gameplay. Uh, you know, so that way, no matter what, you're all still, you know, if win or lose, you, you at least tried it as a, you know, as a team. Um, well, when you play a game like Risk, um, Risk is banned in my um, my in laws' house. <laughs> they do not allow Risk to be played because apparently they had some very um, heated moments when they back in the co- their college days. And I'm like, we need to all play Risk now, guys. I don't care. <laughs> and they're like, no, this is a banned game from this house. Yeah, so. Risk. Risk has it's. I don't know. Like Risk has a lot of. Uh, there's a lot of house rules that get implied or get 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 input and. There's a lot of, like, well, I realized that I wasn't playing Risk, like, right at all. Um, and then there's, like, ar- there's there's army um, limits that you can put on on um, countries and stuff. The game is, if you play the game as is, as most games are, if you just play the game as is, it will it will finish in the proper, proper amount of time. But, yeah, people also do shitty things sometimes, and... You just find out who somebody really is, and you're like, man. Yeah, so you feel that way in any game where someone can attack you at any moment. You're like, wait, wait, I thought we were friends. Dude, I have legitimately heard um, there was a NPR radio program where they did a little bit of a, of a little episode on diplomacy, and diplomacy is a game that you should never play. Um, because it, the, I mean, the things I'm sure people can handle it or whatever, but the stories they were pulling out were really horrible. Like people were using real world, um, real world incentives to force people to do certain things in the game. Uh, and it was pretty messed up. So I was like, okay, uh, never play diplomacy. (laughs) Never check. Okay. Uh all right well anyway. on that note <laughs> yes diplomacy never no one ever should ever do diplomacy it's just period full stop all across the world uh you heard it from nick first uh <laughs> just take that out of context and use that as a snippet i might uh, I never know <laughs> well thank you guys for uh sticking with us uh this has been another dead pixel episode 37 and until uh next time y'all take it easy all right bye